You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Morning, everybody. So, so good to be here with you. Um, As David said, my name is Aaron Stern, and uh, I am... Uh, just so honored to be with all of you. Uh, David and I have been, and Renata uh, and my wife, Jossie, have been friends for 17 years now, and um, they are some of our closest friends, dearest friends, love, love them, and uh, have walked with David. We talk on the phone probably every week or so, and uh, have been a part of this journey with them, hearing about all the different things that God's placed in their hearts in terms of the team coming together and this church getting off the ground here in in Kansas City, and I uh, just want you to know that uh, I am praying for you, cheering you on. I love you dearly. I pray for David and his family uh, uh, on a regular, regular basis, and praying for you all, and excited for what's going on here uh, at Radiant and in Kansas City. So I consider it a huge, huge honor to be here with you all today, and I consider it a huge honor to serve as an overseer uh, for uh, Radiant, and um, and so I, I just I, I consider it just a privilege, to, like David said, uh, to be part of the family here and uh, and just love 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 um, what God is doing here. So. Um, Love the series that you guys are in for The Lamb's Reward. I grew up uh, around David Perkins in the last 17 years, so I've heard the story of Count von Zinzendorf for like a hundred times, as I'm sure you all have. Can you, uh, again, we say yes to that? Have you heard that story? Uh, So I'm not going to repeat the story. If you haven't heard it, just listen to any past podcast, and I'm sure that you're going to hear the story of Count von Ludwig, you know, and uh, and the Hundred Year Pyramid. It's an amazing story. And so I want to just come into that, the series that you guys are in and talk a little bit about what it looks like to have that eternal perspective that David was talking about last week. And I believe for us to have that eternal perspective, for our eyes to be open and for us to look beyond what we see right in front of us, we look beyond just our own needs, we look beyond just what we want or what we see that we uh, hope that we can get or what we can accumulate in our lives, but instead to look beyond ourselves and look beyond uh, even just the four walls of our own home and look into the city and look beyond our city and into the rest of the world and hopefully have the eyes that God has. And see the world that God sees. And see it the way he sees it. And that, as a result, would impact the way that we live. And so my hope and my desire is that, that we would live for the Lamb's reward, not for our own. And I believe that one of the ways that that is going to happen and be cultivated in us is if we can live as radically generous people. If we can live as people who are radically generous See, I think that radical generosity is not something that's like an add-on for the radical Christian. I think that, that radical generosity is actually, should be normal for every follower of Jesus. No, a normal characteristic, not just something we do. do. See, generosity is not just something we do, it's, it's who we are. We as followers of Jesus are radically generous people. That, and, and this is the reason I say, well, why? Why, do I, why? why is that normal? Why is that not like an add-on for like the radical, for like David Perkins, you know, like radical David Perkins? And the, why, why is it not, why, why for every single follower of Jesus? I think it's because we are the recipients of the most extravagant, 
of the most radically generous gift given to us by God expressed in His Son, Jesus. And so as a result, we have the opportunity to reflect that to the world. I mean, think about this gift. Think about this gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We could take the rest, we could take all day and talk about this, but I'm just going to take a few minutes. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is a gift. The gift of God, the gift of grace is a gift from God that we could not do on our own. Now, I think it's important for us to understand what it means and what this gift is all about. That that Jesus didn't come in order for us to become good. See, see, he came to save us from sin, but sin doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. So Jesus didn't come to make us good. He came to bring us to life. See, this is the thing. If I notice an area of my life where I'm maybe a little bad and I think I could be better, I can actually make myself a little better. I can be gooder. I can get more disciplined. I can, I can, I can work on, I'm going to be a better person. You and I can make ourselves just a little bit better of a better person, a better citizen, a better spouse, a better uh, husband, a, a better child, a better brother, a better employee, all those types of things. We can get better. But if we're dead, you can't make yourself less dead. You're dead. You're dead. And you're just, you know, I'm going to be less dead. You know, like, No, you're dead. And you can't bring yourself to life. Jesus brings us to life. The gift of God is true life, bringing us from dead to alive. And I think, wow, when that idea like, gets a, a hold of me, I, I, amazing, like mind blown. I am amazed at what God did. God brought me to life. I was once dead, but I am now alive. Yeah. Uh, David mentioned I have four boys, Parker, Cohen, Brooks, and Smith. Uh, if you, you say it like that, it, it, sound, you know, it sounds like a law firm. So Parker, Cohen, Brooks, and Smith and & Associates. And, and I love my boys. They're ages 8, 11, 13, 15. Uh, you, and, and you might say, wow, you must really love kids. You know, like, wow, you had a lot of them all pretty quickly. And uh, I, I really don't. I really don't. Um, I, I, I'm just crazy about my wife. And so my wife really doesn't like it when I tell that joke. But... I love telling that joke, so she's not here today, so that's, what I, that's, that's the joke you get. And, and so, I, I don't know if you have brothers or what kind of family you grew up in, but four boys, especially close in age like that, uh, our house is wild. It is awesome, but it is wild. It is loud. And, and as you can maybe imagine, so, you know, it's like, it's like bear cubs all the time, you know, like they're always just wrestling and, and then wrestling goes beyond and, and it turns into a real fight and it turns into really hurting each other and all that. And there was one particular day, this is just a couple of years ago, and they were, they were, they, they, it, it, my wife and I were kind of at the end, end of our rope and, and pretty frustrated and they started going at it again. And I was, we were outside, these two boys, two of my boys were outside, and I said, I, I went over to them, I said, boys, get in the car. And they were like, why? I said, just, I, I'm not going to, just get in the car. So they're like, what's going on? They get into the car, I get in the keys, I get in the car, we drive away. They're like, where are we going? I said, you'll find out when we get there. And I'm mad. 
And they're like sitting in the back, like, where are we going? We didn't get to say goodbye to mom. Like, is everything okay here, you know? Where are we going, dad? Don't worry about it. We're gonna get, I'll tell you when we get there. I mean, they're like holding hands in the back, like, we're getting shipped to Siberia. And we're driving, and they're like, dad, where are we going? And I could see in their eyes, you know, the like confusion slash fear. Like, what is going on here? This has never happened to us before. Like, I'm really sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to do this to my brother. It's a, where are we going? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when we get there. We drive for a little while. We get pulled into this parking lot. And we get out of the car, and we walk a- across and around a corner, and I walk them into an ice cream store. And I said, get whatever you want. And they're like, final meal. <laughs> so get whatever you want as much as you want. So they, you know, getting all these crazy combinations and additions. And, you know, it's this monster pile of ice cream by the time we sit down. As we sit down, they're eating their ice cream and still like, what's going on? And I said, boys, this is what you get for fighting with each other. They're like, really? We should do that more often. I said, actually, the reason that this is what you get is because this is a picture of what Jesus gave to us. You know what we deserved? And you know what we were? We were dead. But instead, Jesus came and gave us life. I said, this is a picture of grace. Not just like like you didn't get punished quite as bad. No, you got the opposite of what you deserved. And so my hope is, is that that understanding of, oh, that was a gift. That was a gift from my dad to my boys. Wow, this is amazing that that would somehow come alive in our hearts. And so my hope is not to come here and say, you know what? You need to be more generous. You know what? I hope you would do more generous things. You know what my hope is? Is that the gospel of God would explode in your heart. And as a result, you would say, wow, God has been unbelievably generous to me. He brought me from dead to alive. It was a gift from God. I couldn't earn it on my own. Given to me. And I'm alive, everybody. I'm the recipient of the most radically generous gift the world has ever known. I can't help but be generous to the people around me. I don't don't look at generosity as something I have to do or something even that I get to do. I look at generosity as something that I can't help but do because of Jesus. And so when we see and experience the fullness of generosity in our lives in Jesus, we can't help but be generous. Can't help but respond in kind unless somehow we think that we deserve it. Oh, yeah, I deserved that. Like if we had take on an entitled mentality. Like I'm entitled to that gift. You know, like kind of like a trust fund kid who like grew up and always had more than, you know, had everything and went to the Caribbean every, every all the, those are the types of, of vacations they had all the time and they, and they grow up and they never have to get a job and, they, and they're not grateful for it. They just think like, that's what I deserve. Like, that's just what I, that's, I should have that. That's not what God is looking for in us. And so if you find yourself in that place, Can I encourage you to cultivate generosity, excuse me, gratitude, because gratitude cultivates and fuels generosity. When we say, wow, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you so much for sending your son. Well, thank you so much for doing for me what I could not do on my own. Thank you so much for for bringing me from dead to alive. Thank you, God, that, that you 
saved me, initiated a rescue plan after we brought sin, evil, and death into the world, and that you brought your son. You had the foresight to do that. You love, and you laid your life down for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When the more that we cultivate gratitude, the more generosity will flow out of our hearts. And some of you might be like, well, thank God. Thank God um, this, this message isn't for me because because, because I, I don't have any money. So, um, you know, so, you know, hope all the people with money are paying attention to this message. Now, generosity is not just about money, first of all. Generosity is about all of our lives. Generosity is about our talents. Generosity is about our time. Generosity is about our resources. It's about our possessions. It's about our, our perspective towards people. Do we have generous responses and generous perspectives on people? How are we generous with all of our lives? And by the way, generosity is not about net worth. Generosity is about availability. I mean, look at the passage in the scriptures where Jesus is talking about the five loaves and the two fish. I mean, we have this massive crowd, thousands and thousands of people. The scripture says 5,000 men, most likely 15,000 people or so, including men, women, and children. And what do we have? They have this little kid that comes up, and he's like, well, I got this. And you would look at that, and this is what the disciples did. They looked at those five loaves and those two fish, and they're like, thanks a lot, kid. But sometimes we just say, well, I don't have anything. I don't have much to offer. And so we look at what we have, and we think of what it could do for what we see. Instead of saying, well, God, this is what I got. So... Will you do what you can do with what I got? And that's exactly what happened on that hillside that particular afternoon. I don't know what you're going to do with this. I couldn't feed this many people, but God can feed this many people with what I have available and make available to him. Generosity is not about net worth. Generosity is about availability. Will you make your life available to him? So I just want to talk about what generosity does. When we live generous lives and when we give generously, what does it do? I think it does a few, three things. First of all, generosity counters the cultural pull of materialism. We have a, we have a culture that is all about what can I accumulate and, and essentially says that I am what I own. I am what I have. I am what I can accumulate. I am what I can buy. I, and, and we have a, a world trying to push on and touch on every element of our hearts, of our desires. You need this. You want this. this and, and this will make you feel significant. This will make you feel important. This will make you feel somehow like you've got it, like you've arrived, like you're successful. But generosity counters that pull that, of materialism that is so strong in our culture. And I'd like to ask the question, you can write this down and you can think about this, I encourage you to pray about this. Do we really believe that it's better to, to give than it is to receive? Do we really believe that? And is it reflected in our lives? Parents, I, I, as I mentioned, I have four boys, so my desire is to teach my boys to be generous. How can I teach my boys to be generous? We actually kind of do it all the time if you think about it. I'm telling them and encouraging them to what? Share. Please share. Share your toys, share your stuff, share your whatever. And that's really good. We should teach our kids to share. But my bigger question is, do they see us sharing? See, because our kids will become generous and more generous if we as parents are generous. Do they see 
I, I love my kids seeing me and my wife hearing a request from somebody. Hey, do you have something I could borrow? You know what I ask myself whenever somebody asks to borrow something from me? Can I give it to them? And then I'll borrow it from them if I ever need it. Or buy another one. Whatever. Be, why? Because I want my kids to see. Actually, not too long ago, we had a family that uh, noticed something in our house. It was, uh, I have four boys, so we have these tool, like plastic tools and tool chests and toolbox and all this kind of thing. And they were like, where did you buy that? And we responded back, you can have it. And we told our boys. Actually, we asked them. Boys, what do you think? We think we should give this away. What do you think? Yeah, that would be awesome. Why? Because I want my boys to see us be generous. They will do what we do. So do they see you giving a big tip when you go out and, and when you go out to eat? Do they, do they hear you saying, hey, what can we give away? Hey, can we, can we hear about, we hear a need and we try to meet it? Second thing is that generosity opens doors. Generosity opens doors for relationship. Generosity opens doors for trust. Generosity opens doors for the gospel. In Fort Collins, our first year, we adopted a middle school. A middle school in our city that uh, 80% of the students were on, on reduced or free, the free lunch program. And oftentimes, the school would send food home with them over the weekends and specifically over breaks. Because during uh, their breaks, they wouldn't have anything to eat. Their parents didn't have any food. They were, several of the families at the school are homeless. And so we came in and decided, we're going to adopt this one school. Just one. If any other school came to us with any other need, we said, nope, we're, we're not, we're, nope, 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 nope. We give everything that we've got, point it towards Lincoln Middle School. And so this was five years ago. They said, we asked them, what are your needs? We found out about these courtyards that were in their school. And they had, it was overgrown with weeds. I mean, literally six feet tall. And, you know, supposed to be a place where students could maybe go study. Or, uh, you know, they could gather for some sort of like an outdoor class if it was warm enough. Things like that. So we went and we said, can we fix those? So one summer we went in and we, we came in. We ripped out the weeds. We cut tr dead trees. We, I mean, we, we spent and, and we brought in new mulch. We planted flowers. We did. We bought everything. We did everything. I mean, the teachers went in there like, whoa. They said, did the district do this? Oh, no, no, no. Mill City Church did this. Wow. Now, they thought that we would be a one-hit wonder like a lot of churches are with schools. You know, we come in. We do one thing. We make a little video of it. And we say, hey, look what we did. Look how great we are. And then we never show up again. But I said to my church, I said, we are committed to Lincoln Middle School. And we are going to be there not just one summer and not just on the summers. We're going to be there as often as we can. And so we brought in meals. We brought in meals for the teacher's lounge. We brought in donuts in the morning. And we found out about a few different families during Christmas that had nothing. We uh, found, asked them to find out what they wanted. We went and bought everything and wrapped it up and brought it. This, this one lady starts crying. She's the coordinator at the school. A couple of Christmases ago... I said, I want to do something like radically generous for Christmas. And so I talked to my team. I said, I, said, I, want, to, I want to send them Christmas cards. And they're like, that's awesome, Aaron. That's really generous of you. You know, way to go. I said, no, no, no. I said, a Christmas card for every teacher, every staff member, the principal, everybody. And I want us to put a Christmas bonus in it. I said, all right. I said, I want it to be 250 bucks a piece. So we did it. There's 100 teachers there and administrators. That's $25,000, just in case you're a little slower on the math side. <laughs> and can I tell you 
the phone calls, the emails, the, the, the I mean, every, the, one time we got a voicemail. We got a voicemail after this. Is this a joke? Because if it is, this is really mean. And if not, nobody ever does this. We've done that for the last two, two Christmases. And, and they've talked about how, 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 how like they've, some of them have like, I, I don't need it. And they give it away. They help a family in their, in their class. And just this last year, now this has been five years, five years of that, we remodeled their teacher's lounge. We sent in uh, 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 people to help landscape. I mean, you know, anything, backpacks, whatever we can, whatever we can do. And do you know that we've not preached the gospel once? We've not gone in and said, okay, we're going to give you this backpack, but then we need to get on a platform, and we're going to, none of that. And just this last year, there was a, a guy, I actually heard this story from a guy who's a teacher at a different school in the city, and he, and he was talking to a guy that happened to work at Lincoln Middle School. And the guy starts talking about Lincoln Middle School and how he says, Lincoln Middle School is like on the rise. He said, this next year we have the highest number of enrollment, uh, highest enrollment numbers that we've ever had. He's like, really? It used to be the school that all the families in the city wanted to avoid. They'd try to get their, school, their kids into a different school. And he said, but people aren't opting out. Really, how come? He said, you know, actually, I think one of the main reasons... The shift, not just in the number of students, but the morale of the entire school. He said, there's this church. It's called Mill City Church. And he starts telling him. Now, this guy happens to go to Mill City Church. He's like, huh, interesting. Tell me more about that. <laughs> and it opened the door for the gospel. Principal comes to our church now. She didn't go to church before that. Teachers, are, we will have teachers come when we like honor them or something like that. They're like, please keep inviting us. We're like, oh, we will. Why does that happen? Because generosity opened their hearts. Generosity, without that, they had cold hearts. They're like, ah, church, I don't care about church. Church is all about this, it's all about that. It's all about themselves. Generosity opened the door to G for Jesus. Slowly but surely. And then number three is that generosity impacts your relationship with God. Think of the story in Luke chapter 18. We don't know the name of this young man. We just know him as the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus, he says, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've followed every law, I've done every rule, and, and, and there's something missing. How do I experience the fullness of the kingdom like you're talking about? How do I get in on this salvation thing that you're talking about, this good news? The, the, how do I do that? And Jesus, of course, says to him, if you're familiar with the story, he says, sell all that you have and come follow me. And it says that the young man thought about it for a second turned, hung his head, and went away sad. Couldn't do it. So here's this guy, and his generosity stood in the way of him experiencing the fullness of the kingdom and following, being a literal in that particular day, literal like walk with Jesus every day, follower of Jesus. Missed out. Think of what he missed out on. Impacted his relationship with Jesus, and the same is true for you and for me. And you're like, well, I thought generosity wasn't about money. It's true. Generosity is not about money. It's about your heart. But you're like, well, great. Then I'll just give God my heart and I'll keep my money. <laughs> yeah, great idea except for this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you're, if you're holding on, gripping tightly onto what you have, 
that's where your heart is going to be on the things that you have. It's going to be locked into what you are about and locked into all your checkbook, your, 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 your house, your all, what you, what you, all those things. I bet if I, I'm not going to do this, but if I bet if I were to walk out and get one of your checkbook registers, if you even have one of those these days, or somehow you pull it up online, I bet I could tell a lot about your life based on just where your money's going. Where's your heart? So when you talk about giving to the church, I recognize that that has been, become a touchy subject in a lot of churches and a lot of places because, because unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of churches have mishandled finances. Unfortunately, a lot of leaders have abused their position of authority and their position of influence to impact and to manipulate people in terms of finances. I realize that that's a reality. Which, by the way, as an overseer, I can say to you, this is a, this is a trustworthy and a place full of integrity in terms of a place to invest your finances. So I realize the hesitation towards the giving and towards the, the giving to the church and all that kind of thing. But I, can I say that tithing and giving to the church and giving your finances is not about a percentage? Now, I think percentages matter. But I, what I'm saying is, is that it's not about a percentage. It's about a priority. It's not about, it's not about dollars and cents. It's about trust. Do I trust God with my heart, with my money, with my finances, with my, can I be generous? Is my trust in riches or is it in the God who richly provides? Am I willing to say that I don't know what I'm going to do without this, but God, I trust you. Or might I say, you know what, I'll hang on to this. I'll take care of this. When I'm ready, then I'll give it to you. What does that say about our heart? What does it say about our trust? Does, does, your, does your life, your finances, your generosity communicate that you trust Jesus? That if he says, he doesn't say this to everybody, but if he were to say to you, like he says to the rich young ruler, sell it all. Would you say, yep, I trust you. Hey, give that away. Hey, somebody asked for, to borrow that, give it to them. Would, you, would, would your life reflect a trust in Jesus? So here I am talking about generosity. And if I'm honest, several years ago, I wouldn't consider myself to have been a very generous person. I actually think that we have to work at being generous. Some of us. Some people are like just more naturally generous. But if you're like me, it's not a natural thing. I actually am kind of like, I like to keep good track of my finances. I like to like know where things are going. I've got plans for everything and where it's supposed to go and all those types of things. And I'm like, it kind of messes with my plan. And so I would say like generosity or the gift of giving was not my gift and it's easy to say, well, it's not my gift. I'll leave it for somebody else who it is. No, we are all called to be generous people. Remember, followers of Jesus, it's normal for all of us to be radically generous. So I had to work at it. Take some extra work. How God helped me to be more generous. And I, this was my prayer. God, help me to see opportunities to be generous. Help me to see it. Because if I don't see it, then I'm not going to know where to even to be generous. I can be generous by giving more to the church, and, and I can do that, and I, I would encourage you to think about that and to pray about that. But I, I like this passage of Scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
verse 7. It says to the, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. In other words, he says, you're like passionate for God. You love Jesus, and you love me, and you love others, and you are, are, you're, you're gracious in your speech, and you're, well, you're, you're knowledgeable, and you have strong faith, but I want you to see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In other words, he's saying, I want you to make sure that you get better at this too, that you're really good at this. And so I would suggest that one of the ways that I, I had to grow in being generous is I had to prepare to be generous. And so we build margin into our lives. You know, if we have margin in our lives, it's a lot easier to be generous. If there's pressure in our lives, it's a lot harder to be generous. If you have pressure financially and you know that bill is not only due, it's overdue, it's hard to be generous. So how can we build? Think of it like this. It's when you, like when you drive and you're driving somewhere and you have like double the amount of time that you need to get there. And you're on your way and somebody like gets in front of you. You're like, oh yeah, no problem. Take your time. You probably need that, you know. But if you don't have time and you're like late and somebody, get, you moron, what's wrong with you? Get out of my way. We well, are not generous. But it's somebody else. You know, they seem to be rushing in and trying to, you know, like, oh, there's probably something going on in their life, probably some pressure. It's okay, yeah. Go ahead, merge. Take your time. No problem. The, even that, driving in our cars, just that is an expression of generosity. And that expression of generosity is possible because we have no pressure, we have margin, and we've prepared for it. So what if we prepared in our time? What if we prepared in our resources? What if we prepared with our finances? What if we prepared with our lives? And we said, I got space. Sure, you can have it. No problem. So I was asking God, God, show me opportunities. And so there was this girl, she was a college student, and she, she asks me, hey, do you, can you recommend a place to get my, my brakes fixed? You know, like cheap. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't have much. So is there a place that you can recommend? Maybe somebody in the church that would be able to do it for free, you know, like, or like parts only or something. And I felt God say, you were praying for an opportunity. And I'm like, oh, this could be expensive. And I said, go to this place. And I said, how much is it going to cost? She's like, I don't know. She hadn't even gone to like find out. She just knew it, wasn't gonna, it was going to be more than she had. I said, go to, go find a place, tell me how much it is, and then I'll work on it, and we'll know exactly what the problem is. And then I maybe will know somebody. So she comes back a couple days later, tells me, and she said, and they said, I need new tires. I said, great, take it back there, get it done, and I'm paying the bill. She's like, what? I said, don't argue with me. I said, I'm paying the bill. She's like, okay, crying. She brings the bill to me, paid for everything that was wrong with her car, took care of it. And it was, okay, here we go. But you know what? It was awesome. And you know what? As I like, wrote that check and gave it to her to, to give to the place, I, I felt like there was something like coming off of my heart. There was like this way in which, yes, I want to be a good steward. 
but this like somehow grip of like I got to manage every part of it and I'm going to like build all this. And when I have like a ton extra is when I'll do all of that was coming off of my heart. And it is those, those things that have led into what we do at Lincoln Middle School and things like that have led into like, oh, you want it? You can have it, you know? And, and we don't need that. We've got plenty or uh, I, I, we'll do without. We just want to give. We want to be generous. We want you to have it. And I think the other part that we've got that, that, that God worked into me as I was asking him, help me excel in giving, was the recognition not only of the gift that I received, the extravagant love of God, but that I am connected to an unending source. In other words, I can give, and I can give everything away, and I'm connected to a source that's bigger than anything that I've ever given away. I am connected to an unending source. I can give, and I can be generous, because this source does not stop. And God loves and cares for me. He knows what I need. He knows what I've got. He knows what I don't have. He knows what I need that I don't even know that I need. God, I am connected to an unending source. And so, this is my hope for each one of you here at Radiant. Is that you would take a moment. I, I, actually, in this moment, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to just take a moment and pray for each and every one of us here. I want to pray that generosity would come alive in our hearts. That even before that, in order for generosity to come alive in our hearts, that a, a, an understanding and a... And a an explosion of the gospel and the gift of God would come alive in our hearts. And we say, wow, I have been given an amazing gift. So I can't help but be generous to people around me. So I want to pray that for each and every one of us in this room, that we would identify maybe areas of our hearts and our lives where we don't trust Jesus. Where we would be like the rich young ruler, where if God was asking us to, to give it all away, that that we would, we would say, oh, I don't know about that. But that trust would rise in us. Help me to trust you more, God. And maybe for some of you here today, maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe your first time in church in a long, long time. And maybe your experience is that church is just all about money. They just want your money. God is not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. So if that's you here today, and, and maybe you find yourself far from God, but there's something about what I've talked about. There's something about this like extravagant gift of God that you're like, I want that. And if that's you and you'd say, yeah, I want that, can you, can you respond not just to my invitation, but to the invitation of the Holy Spirit? Because it's the Holy Spirit that's calling you. It's the Holy Spirit that's tugging on your heart. Would you respond to his invitation? You say, well, what do I do? You give your life to Jesus. We receive the gift that I've talked about and, and, and more than we could imagine when we give and surrender our lives to God. So if that's you, would you just under your breath, just say to yourself, God, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Father, I pray for each and every one of us in this room. I pray that each one of us would have a greater picture and understanding of your generous gift given to each one of us, expressed in your son, Jesus. And God, I pray that as recipients of that gift, as followers of Jesus, people would say, 
I don't know what's up with him or I don't know what's up with her, but man, she is so generous. He is, he is crazy at giving. Why? Oh, it's because I've received the most amazing gift ever. So would you help that to come alive in our hearts in greater ways? Would you help us to identify maybe our next step? Maybe our next step is giving, a, giving our time away. Maybe it's jumping onto the dream team and serving in a greater way, being more generous with our time, with our gifts. Maybe for each of us, maybe for some of us here, the, the next step is to, is to begin tithing, to begin faithfully giving. For some of us, maybe the next step, get a passion offering coming up in, in December, that God's dropping a, a, a number, something into your heart that you're like, oh, I was planning on being generous, but not that generous. That we would identify what our next step is. Building margin into our lives. And God, not just that you would help us to identify it, but you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in, give us the courage to take that step and be obedient to you. And so God, I thank you for what you're doing in us, the things you're stirring in us, the things that you are calling us to do that feel maybe impossible. But I pray instead of being like the rich young ruler and walking away sad, that we'd say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It feels really scary to do it, but Jesus, I'm going I'm to do it because I love you. May that be the ref- who we are and the reflection of our lives. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, and everybody said Amen and Amen. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radiantchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.